When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Making an effort to study Greek history, ancient Greek history, and there's so much interesting stuff there. And I'm embarrassed that I didn't know more about it. But if you are interested in studying language, if you're interested in studying the history of Western civilization, if you're interested in studying government and democracy, if you're interested in discovering and learning more about religion, both monotheistic and polytheistic religions, time and again, this lends itself to directly to the ancient Greeks and the civilizations in Sparta and Rome. And uh, there's a lot beyond just democracy, though. You have all sorts of stuff with respect to math, all sorts of stuff with respect to science. And I came across an article recently... I'm I'm embarrassed that I didn't know about this before because this is exactly the kind of thing that I should know. Do you know what the ship of Theseus is? Well, the ship of Theseus is a philosophical thought experiment. It's not a not necessarily a real ship, but it's a thought experiment about whether an object which has all of its original components replaced, remains the same object. So in Greek mythology, Theseus was the mythical Greek founder king of Athens, and he rescued the children of Athens from King Minos after slaying the Minotaur and then escaped onto a ship um, going to Delos. And each year, the Athenians commemorated this by taking the ship on a pilgrimage to honor Apollo. And so a question was raised by ancient philosophers. After several centuries of maintenance, if each individual part of the ship of Theseus was replaced, one at a time, was it still the same ship? Which is a fascinating thing to think about. I wonder the same thing about uh, people that claim to be, oh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's house or, uh, I don't know, a historic building of some point, uh, old versions of a city hall or a stadium. If eventually all of it's replaced, is it still the same thing? 
Is it still Theodore Roosevelt's house if there's new floors, new walls, new ceilings, new stairs, new wallpaper, new everything, new furniture? Nothing was what it was when it was Theodore Roosevelt's house. What about something like the USS Intrepid? If eventually the whole thing is new, is it still the Intrepid? So that, in a nutshell, is the uh, ship of Theseus. It's a philosophical thought experiment. And there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. But if all of the components of an original object are gradually replaced, is it still the same object? My answer, I think, would be yes. But put that aside. But a fascinating thing has just happened. So the ancient Greeks first pondered this after a ship belonging to Theseus was replaced part by part over centuries until none of the original material was left. Well, how's this for a twist? We all know what Wikipedia is, right? Wikipedia, well, unfortunately, if you're a friend of Frank Morano, it might behoove you to not know what Wikipedia is because uh, the people that have tried to get a uh, Frank Morano Wikipedia page on there, that has not worked out for them or me. But the Moranaholics objections aside, Wikipedia is an online encyclopedia that uh, you can edit. Anybody can edit it as long as you have proper sourcing and you can change. The articles change. So listen to this. As depths of Wikipedia discovered, that's something that uh, chronicles previous Wikipedia changes. The Wikipedia page for the ship of Theseus, which first appeared 20 years ago in 2003 and has been edited repeatedly over time. Now, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but I promise you I'm not. Now, none of the phrases from the original article remain. So the Wikipedia article on the ship of Theseus has actually become the ship of Theseus. So now some of the same people are asking the same question. They're saying, is this still the same Wikipedia article? Or is it just something that's called a Wikipedia article about the ship of Theseus and then all of a sudden it's something totally different? Which I think is interesting. I think it is still the same article, even though, much like the ship of Theseus, it's completely different. I love when stuff like that comes together. I really do. You know, back in the old days of Hollywood, up until relatively recently, if a director didn't want his name on a project, do you know what they would call it? They would call it an Alan Smithy film. Meaning, that was the credit. If you're a writer or a director, you can look up all the directorial credits or the writing credits for Alan Smithy and see some of the worst movies ever made were by Alan Smithy. Alan Smithy is not a real person. And so uh, if you wanted, let, let's say you directed a movie and it just turned out to be a total bomb, you didn't want to know anybody, you didn't want anybody to know that you had anything to do with it. Well, the only thing that the Directors Guild would allow was for your credit to be replaced with Alan Smithy, not a real person, but, um, you know, that's the, you know, that's the moniker that you could use, almost like a, a John Doe. Well, a few years ago, there was a film called Burn Hollywood Burn. Uh, came out, I guess, about 1997. It was called an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. And I, I saw it. It was cute. It's not going to win any awards for anything. You know who was in it, actually? Somebody we were just talking about the other day. Ryan O'Neill 
in a small role. A, a lot of stars are in it as themselves, kind of poking fun at Hollywood. It's not well done at all. And um, you have, um, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Whoopi Goldberg, Jackie Chan. They're all in it for the for you know a sm- relatively small role. It was written by Joe Esterhaus, who obviously is a very well known Hollywood screenwriter. Well, the movie turned out to be pretty awful. So, and it's kind of a cute premise. Basically, uh, the director is named Alan Smithy in the film. It's a film within a film kind of thing. And the director's name, Alan Smithy, and he wants his name off the film. So when your name is Alan Smithy, how do you take your name off the film? Well, what actually happened, unless this was just some sort of elaborate publicity stunt, because this was a film that was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Director, the Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor. This film was so bad that the director, Arthur Hiller, um, well, actually, whoever directed it, wanted their name off of it, and it actually became an Alan Smithy film. Now, what are the chances that a film called an Alan Smithy film would ever be an actual Alan Smithy film? I'm not completely sure that that wasn't just a gimmick. I think it might have been. But um, let's say it's not, then that's the closest I've ever seen to The Ship of Theseus. Like an Alan Smithy film, which became an Alan Smithy film, The Ship of Theseus Wikipedia article became The Ship of Theseus. I hope that wasn't too much of a stretch. I hope you followed all that. I thought it was interesting. 800-848-9222. Speaking of interesting, my greatest concern as a person as a husband, as a father, as a radio talk show host, quite frankly, not my greatest concern, but it's right up there, is I don't ever want to be predictable, right? I don't want uh, to, for my own sake and the sake of those around me, I don't like a routine. I don't like a rut. I don't like for uh, my wife to expect what my idea of romance is every single day. I don't like my uh, son to be able to predict what I'm going to say or do every single day. I like to go the the unexpected. You as a listener, I like you to be tuning into this show and find something different every day. Every hour of every day, in fact. Uh, so I've been thinking to myself... I need to maybe do some things that are a little bit more adventurous. And I've gotten better in some areas. My friend, uh, I had a friend years ago that told me, you know, you've got to get into the habit of traveling to places that aren't Atlantic City. And I've gotten much better. Went to Mexico for a wedding recently. Went to Hawaii for a wedding recently. And I'm much more open uh, to the idea of travel. Not begrudgingly either. I'm, you know, really open to it. If you're listening to the program on uh, Friday morning, I talked about how I'm entertaining going to the Super Bowl next year, which is not something that the Frank of yesteryear would ever try to do. I'm trying to show an aspect of my personality that is a little bit more, I don't want to say wild, I don't want to say impetuous, but a little bit more free-spirited and unpredictable, right? So I um, I thought, what could I be doing? What adventures could I be having that aren't super dangerous? Uh, I'm not going to start riding a motorcycle or anything like that, but are, and are not super time-consuming, but that are a little different. So... I'm researching what's going to be going on in the area for the next few weeks. And a whole bunch of places in my area, Coney Island, 
Atlantic City, Ocean City, bunch of, a bunch of other places. They are all doing on New Year's Day this polar plunge. Are you familiar with the idea of the polar plunge? I have a friend that does this every year. He swears by it. Basically, what you do is on January 1st or some other freezing temperature, you jump into the ocean and go for a swim off the beach in the freezing cold water. Now, the people that do this, and I know Coney Island, you have the Coney Island polar bears. They're really into it. They swear by it. They say it's exhilarating. They say it's healthy for you. They say it keeps you young. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've never done that. And when I've had the opportunity to do it previously, I've always kind of said, no, I don't really want to do it. It sounds like something that's incredibly uncomfortable. But now I'm starting to wonder, maybe it's something that I should do at least once and see how it goes. I, um... Uh, well, you know, and so I'm open to this idea of the polar plunge. So I figured, let me ask you if you've ever done something like this, the polar plunge where you dive into freezing cold water in the middle of winter. And how did you find it? Is it something that you'd recommend? Is it something that you'd recommend doing once? Is it something that you'd recommend doing constantly? Or did you get pneumonia and almost die and you would encourage people never to do it? Where do you come down on the idea of the polar plunge? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Tony, uh, you don't strike me as a polar plunge type of guy. Am I misreading that? No, you're right. I'm, I'm not going to do that. You're never going to do no, that? No, no, no. I, I, you know, I, I see that every year, New Year's Day, on the local news always show the people in Coney Island doing that, the polar bears. But God bless them. I'm not doing it. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, that's kind of always been how uh, how I was because as I was thinking of ways to I don't know expand my horizons a little bit, I'm, I get a uh, oh a what's happening in whatever community because I'm on all these nine hundred different email lists of all these newsletters. What's happening in blank? And a lot of these communities are doing their own version of the polar plunge, and it's usually for charity. And I like to be a, a charitable guy, raise money for uh, cancer or uh, St. Jude or a variety of other causes. I think maybe I should do it once. But then I think, oh, why? Why am I doing it? So if you want to try and convince, persuade me or dissuade me, I'd love to hear from you. 800-848-9222. Christian, what about you? Polar plunge, yes or no? You know, Frank, I was thinking of doing that one time because I kept seeing them on social media, you know, people getting into the the ice tubs and stuff for their, you know, pre-workout or post-workout uh, practices. And I tried it once, Frank, and I don't think I, I, I could ever do that. No. Oh, so you actually did it? You An ice tub or the polar yeah, plunge? ice tub. No, no, ice tub. I don't know if I'm, if I'm brave enough for the polar plunge. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. I, so I'm curious if anybody out there has done it and what your experience was like, if it's something that you'd recommend or if it's something that you'd recommend staying away from. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Hey, we're going to go through the uh, your mail in a little bit, meaning the mail that you've sent to me. If you want to email me, 
you could do so at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. A little bit later, we're going to talk with George Haas of the Sidonia Project. There's some interesting things happening on Mars. Some people dismiss it. Some people think this is very serious. So we'll get into that next hour. Samuel is in Rockland County. Hi there, Samuel. Hi, good morning. I was just wondering, two questions. First of all, do you think that Hezbollah in Lebanon, in southern Lebanon, the north of Israel, will invade Israel? And if they do invade Israel, how and what do you think Israel will be Israel's way of responding to Hezbollah? Well, look, uh, again, Samuel, I, I don't pretend to be an expert on um, international affairs, especially not when it comes to the Middle East. I think uh, there's a, v- a very good chance that that does happen. I mean, that's one of the things that I think you're you're risking here in terms of this this whole conflict with the United States, Israel, and uh, the United Kingdom and other countries on one side, and Iran, the Houthis, and Hezbollah on the other side is a conflagration into a much larger world conflict. But I think they would handle this the way that the war in uh, 2006 was handled. In some ways, I think, I don't want to say it's easier, but a war against an entity like Hezbollah is fought in a much more conventional manner than a war like the one that Hamas would wage against Israel or did wage with beginning on October 7th and uh, Israel responded to on, um, you know, uh, you know, in the in ensuing months. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I mean, having, they, they say... Nobody appreciates the power of a flame more than somebody that's been burned. And I can't imagine, well, no, I don't want to say I can't imagine because they say what happened on October 7th was largely a failure of imagination. But I wouldn't think that the Hezbollah leadership in Lebanon would want a repeat of that 34-day war, which did not leave Lebanon better off than when it began in uh, 2006. So uh, my, I'm, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Anthony, you're a polar plunge guy? I'm not a polar plunge guy per se, but ever since my wife and I bought a condo down in the beach in Wildwood Crest, I go down in the wintertime and jump in, run in, get soaking wet and come back out. I got a robe and a towel right there. It feels great, Frank. How how, um, do you do it every day? How often do you do it in the winter? Well, we're going down this week after Christmas, so I'll probably do it every day. I I like to jump in and out every day, run in, run out, boom. It's like it makes your skin shrink. It's awesome. I'm telling you, you got to do it. The polar plunge is fun because you're doing it with a lot of other people. Right, right. You know? But I just run down there, you know, and see the uh, boom. Okay, so you, you go swimming and it's, and it's 90 degrees out, right? The water's 62. You get a 30-degree shock. It's 30 degrees out. The water's whatever. It's not so much of a shock. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I get it, Anthony. Uh, so how you long know? do you stay in the water? Oh, five seconds, ten seconds. That's all. So you dip in. You know, in Wildwood Crest, you got to run a long ways to get wet. So by the time you get in and, and get soaking wet, you're, you're running out. It, it, it just feels good. I'm 63 years old. I do it all the time. That's great. Well, that's great, Anthony. Thank you. You know, um, my uh, my family is involved with this one charity, and they did this in, say, 2020. I want to say it was February of 2020, right before all the COVID shutdowns. And a lot of my, I think at least two of my siblings did it. Maybe all three. But I think two of them did it. And I didn't do it. Because I said, 
you know, one, I don't look as good in a swimsuit as, as the three of them do. But two, I thought, uh, what do I want to be cold for? It seems so uncomfortable. But I feel like I need to do some more things that challenge my own comfort level. I hear from uh, broadcasters, from actors, from artists, from writers, that they, columnists, reporters even, they just fall into their own comfort level, and eventually they just kind of become a caricature of themselves. And I'll, I'll be honest, this is one of the things that I most admire about William Shatner. William Shatner does everything. One day he's swimming with sharks. The next day he's going to space. One day he's appearing in a movie with Christopher Lloyd. The next day he's doing a, a live Q&A after a screening of Star Trek II. Uh, one day he's, um, you know, playing paintball. Uh, the next day he's eating Thai food. I mean, he's just always up for an adventure. He's got a whole book about that where he talks about the importance of saying yes. Maybe I need to do that. And, you know, it's funny. I just got a note here, an email, where th this person writes, wouldn't you agree that most people try adventurous things such as the polar plunge when they're younger, and then as we, we age, we become less likely to take risks? I wonder why that's the case. Well, yes. I, I do think that that is the case for many people, but I think for some people that are constantly pushing themselves, like Shatner, for instance, it's kind of what keeps you young. You know, uh, Joe Piscopo's mom just passed away at 98. Up until recently, I, you know, I hadn't spoken to her in a little while, but up until recently, she, she was super sharp, I think really until the end, she was still very sharp, still cooking like crazy, still driving uh, herself everywhere, completely independent still driving herself down to her shore house, was incredibly an independent woman. I think, you know, I meet some people that are 75, and you would think that they are uh, 55. I meet other people, maybe even young. Like, my dad is, you know, he's an older gentleman. He fits the term senior citizen by every technical definition. You look at him, you talk to him, you would think he's younger than any person that works on our show, except maybe for Christian. And I think part of it is because he keeps challenging himself, right? I mean, the guy looks and seems younger than I do. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's only just due to uh, exercise, be, which he does a fair amount of. I think it's due to the adventuring, the travel, the uh, always pursuing something new. And um, that's what I see with a lot of people who retire, a lot of people who retire and don't have something new to fill the void that was previously occupied by work, they end up looking and seeming older. So I think an element of adventurism can kind of stave off becoming geriatric, at least personality-wise. 800-848-9222. Dawn is in Long Beach. Dawn, have you done the Polar Plunge? Yes, I I did it once. I have observed it many times, but everyone needs to just try it once. So you did it once, but not a second time, which leads me to think that it was as, exactly as uncomfortable as I envision it. <laughs> it is cold. Um, they do it every year um, on the day of the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it, there's a chance that it could be 30 degrees or 45 <laughs> So, yeah, it is a little chilly, but there's thousands of people that show up now. So you kind of have the warmth of the crowd 
and you don't really think about how cool it is because it's for such a great cause. What? Um, why? Why do you recommend that people do it once? What's to be gained by doing it once? Just to say you did it? It's more than that. You're just a part of something that's special. Like when I went in to hand in uh, the money that I raised, I said, oh, I, I only raised whatever it was, 995 She looked at me and she said, but you just granted a wish because it was for Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, it was originally based on a child who had passed away. Uh, years ago, it started off very small. Now you'll see um, in Long Beach, there'll be thousands of people that show up on that Super Bowl day to do it now. So that's when you're doing it. You're doing it on Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, that's when Long Beach uh, uh, does it. Uh, all right. And anybody's able to participate? I could go down there and do it? Yeah. Yeah, that's anybody. interesting, Dawn. Uh, thank you. You know, so that's February 11th. I'll tell you what. If I'm not in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, which is its own separate adventure. I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I, I've raised some money for them before. I've emceed some events for them before. And I've known some people, I've met some people through my work with Make-A-Wish that have been helped by that. So uh, if I am not in Las Vegas, I am going to be there February 11th. You know, the other reason that I have rarely, not rarely, have never done New Year's Day, either in Coney Island or Atlantic City, is, you know, I'm usually, you know, um, working later that night and i'm usually you know still a little um bloated from excess cheese consumption two days before because my big wine and cheese party is on december 30th and i I, it's difficult for me to muster the enthusiasm for getting up early to participate in the in the polar plunge on new year's day but that february 11th super bowl polar plunge uh, maybe i'll do it al is in new york hello al Hey, how was Atlantic City? Great, great. I mean, a quick trip. I was just there basically for a night, but I uh, got to meet some new people, try a new restaurant, and uh, and do some interesting things. It was great. Thank you. Is it true you lost a thousand bucks, but you <laughs> stole four hundred loaves and made up for it? It is not. It is not. I think I lost. Uh, I, I think I lost one hundred and fifty at the craps table, not which honestly that. is uh, is it, it, that's a, a, a rounding error. Yeah. Listen, as far as cold, let me tell you a little about your body. Your body has inside... uh, Are you there? Yeah, I'm listening now. They have inside gyroscope and um, sensors. Where am I going? Here's how I tell you how it works. Of course I'm here. You lay down on your bed, right? You notice that. It takes two seconds, three seconds. All of a sudden, you stop. And you know why? That's the sweet spot. You could be able to be there for two hours or whatever before you have to move again. Well, when you're in cold like a cold shower, but can't be quick. Not good for the heart. People can get heart problems with it. That's what's bad about the plunge. Guess what happens? If you slowly go colder and colder and colder, and you aim that shower right between your eyes, but slightly above, you're going to find a sweet spot where, where you'll feel shower water, and all of a sudden you're energized like you would not believe. They've done this on older people in nursing homes, it brings them right back. You get a clarity that's almost the same as when you uh, don't eat for two or three days. The first day sucks. The second, all of a sudden, you're thinking, hey, I'm not in a fog anymore. I can remember this. I can remember that. So the same thing with the cold and saunas. People that are in Scandinavia, they live a lot longer than a lot of other people. Mm. They're in the sauna. They hop in the, uh, the, take the plunge, blah, blah, blah. 
but just don't hop into it. You know, uh, you, you go to Coney Island, you hop in, they'll find you in the board underneath the boardwalk. You know, your pants will be on backwards. You'll have a tattoo. So uh, I feel uh, like I feel like I'm kind of getting, um, you know, conflicting advice from you. Your advice is to no, try no, no. it, well, but at, to at Atlantic City, if you're at the Super Bowl, if worse comes to worse, you can't make back in time. You hop in front of the Mirage. They got the fountains going, and what the hell? <laughs> All right, thank you, Al. Hey, um, you know, uh, David in the Bronx just posted in the Facebook group, uh, which I did not know if this is the case, that President Biden and his family apparently do the plunge, the polar bear plunge, every Thanksgiving, or at least they do it regularly. So, um, well, if there are health benefits to uh, the polar plunge, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that flies in the face of what I'm looking for, uh, staying sharp and youthful, because a lot of things you could say about President Biden, I don't think sharp and youthful is two that would immediately come to mind when it comes to him. Gino is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gino. Hey, if you're going to do the polar plunge, you don't do it for the health benefits, all right? The, hard, the hardest thing about that plunge, and I've, this is going to be my 25th year doing it consecutively, um, I'm not a polar bear club member. I'm not going to be that bold. I only do the amateur swim with all the other amateurs on New Year's Day. Don't bother on the Super Bowl. You've got better things to do on the Super Bowl than take sand out of behind your ears. Um, but that January 1 swim is the most fun you will ever have with your clothes on. But the hardest thing about that swim is getting there because as you and I both are very similar, getting to the beach by 1 o'clock, and of course you want a pregame, you want a tailgate. There's no fun just running there and then running in and running out like so many do. So you want to get there a couple hours early, like myself, bring the cooler, you know, crack a couple, hang out. The good thing about that, everybody's in good spirits. Everybody's happy. You're high-fiving strangers. You're dancing. There's a marching band on the boardwalk. There's a DJ on the boardwalk. The bar is open. There's 10 10, over 10,000 people, if the weather is nice. Over 10,000 people are there for the event. Only 10% of them swim. But that's still a 1,000 drunken idiots that are jumping into the water and having a great time. I could go on for an hour with this. So you've done it for 25 years straight. This will be my 25th anniversary, this January 1st. And how long do you dip in for? Uh, <laughs> I stay in for about uh, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, some people are going to say, no, get no. 25 yeah, I minutes? I, I, yes, I stay in for about 25 minutes. You'll see me. I'll have the Viking helmet on. I'm one of the few people there with a Viking helmet. People that have been doing it for 25 years will see me out there doing the backstroke, spitting out water like a statue in Rome, you know, oh hanging out and having a great time. Hey, Gino, yeah, let me ask you this. Time. Let me ask you this. As yeah. woman uh, Sharon just tweeted me, she says, don't do it, Frank. What does the polar bear plunge actually accomplish? It's silly. Lots of other ways to get an exhilarated feeling. Take a cold shower. Respond to Sharon. What does it actually accomplish? Well, it's a, I mean, if you want to live life like Sharon, you'd never leave the house. You'd sit on the couch with the remote control. The point is, it is the most fun thing you will do. It's far more fun than anything you're going to do New Year's Eve. Take my word for it. Well, I'm not it's a New Year's Eve guy. Yeah. Anything you're going to do. Yeah. I'm not either. Gotcha. But, and like I said, to be surrounded with people where you do have plenty of space, you're going to have a ton of fun. You're going to, it's all smiles all day long. How many times can you be out in the middle of winter, even if you choose not to swim? How many times can you be out in the middle of winter with a marching band on the boardwalk hanging out, you know? 
and, and a DJ on one side and a live band on the other. It's just a crazy, crazy gathering. And like I said, you could come down there and you will find me and I will have enough sauce for everybody. We, you, we you, will be pregaming. You make a compelling case there, Gino. Thank you. Hey, let me squeeze in one more here and then we'll go through your mail. Neil is on Staten Island. Hi, Neil. Frank, I think you're out of your mind. But, I mean, yeah, go in the shower. Put the ice cold water on. And like your previous caller said, it's exhilarating. It's so exhilarating. Uh, you, you'll be in the bedroom in, in, in two seconds. But if you do want to do it, Frank, uh, I'd like Rachel to take a picture of you up to your neck. And I'll donate $100 to Wounded Warriors. Oh, in, in your all right. Well, that's uh, that. The, the, all of a sudden, I'm, uh, I'm thinking more about this. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. That's very nice. Well, you know, maybe we can do some sort of fundraising idea inspired by this. I'm wondering if maybe we can even look at maybe a dunk tank. Wouldn't that be fun? Although I'd have to rent the dunk tank. If anyone has a dunk tank, they would want to donate for, for this, a, a winter dunking uh, for, you know, for, for charity. Uh, I mean, I love the veterans charities. That's great. Um, make a wish is great. There's a number of other good ones. All right. We're going to go through your mail in a moment. If you want to email me and have your question read on air, you can go ahead and email me at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano, M-O-R-A-N-O at redappleaudionetworks.com. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I am uh, dedicating this to a great listener of ours and uh, a friend by the name of Hank Purpura. He's been listening to me for years, over a decade, I believe, and uh, has been supportive of everything that I've ever done. Uh, He came to New Year's Eve Eve several years in a row, and each year that he came, he was the oldest participant to attend New Year's Eve Eve, and he also uh, would constantly, even just a couple of weeks ago, sent some baseball cards because he runs this business on eBay. He sent some baseball cards for um, my son Carmine, and he's a great guy, always listens to the show, and today's his birthday. 
So I reached out to him to wish him a happy birthday. And I got a note back from his son that, unfortunately, Hank is in the uh, ICU, the intensive care, care unit. He had a fall at his home, and his body didn't necessarily react well to it. He's thankfully on the mend and is doing much better. And according to his son, Jim, yesterday was the first time that he was talking and eating. And with <laughs> when the nurse asked him what holiday is coming up, he didn't say Christmas or New Year's. He told them New Year's Eve Eve. <laughs> That's the word from his son. So uh, Hank is honestly a great guy, a salt-of-the-earth guy, and uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully somebody brought him a radio in the hospital so that he can listen to this show. Happy birthday, Hank, and uh, that song goes out to you. Going to get back to your calls in a moment, but first... This is from is an email from Bob in Glen Burnie, Maryland. On the subject of the polar plunge, don't do it, Frank, especially if you have had the jab. It would be a heck of a time to find out your heart cannot handle the experience. If you would like to help the cause, just make a donation. Well, Bob, it's partially about helping the cause. It's partially about having an adventure. Right? Okay. But I uh, appreciate the advice. This is an SMS text message. You can SMS text message me at 8168Morano. That's 8168MORANO. Frank, I know that you are not a Republican and that you are a supporter of ranked choice voting. Of the five or six remaining Republican presidential candidates, if you had to rank all of them from the one that you'd most like to vote for to the one that you'd least like to vote for, how would you rank them? This is a very good question. Actually forced me to think a, uh, a great deal because I was wavering. Now, I was a big Trump supporter in 2016 and uh, a, a more tepid Trump supporter in 2020, but still pretty enthusiastic. So I, I was thinking, but I, the, uh, the, you know, Trump has lost a lot of luster for me for a variety of reasons that we've gone over before, but I still like a lot of his policies. And to me, the most Trumpian candidate in the race that's not Trump, is Vivek Ramaswamy. So I'm thinking, well, is, would I rank Vivek first or Trump first? You know, Vivek doesn't have Trump's uh, baggage, but he also doesn't have Trump's experience. So I decided I would still, even with all his baggage, I would still rank uh, Donald Trump number one. I would rank, uh, these are the people that are still in the race, I would rank Ramaswamy number two. I would rank um, DeSantis number three. I would rank Asa Hutchinson, who I think is still in the race. I would rank him number uh, number four. I would rank um, Nikki Haley number five. And then absolutely last, this is the easiest one, I would rank uh, Chris Christie number, um, number six. So I would go Trump, Ramaswamy, DeSantis... Hutchinson, Haley, Christie. But um, 
honestly, the only two that I would think of even consider voting for in the general election are are Trump or Ramaswamy. All right. Uh, Lawrence Reich, Frank, is your email beeper on or off? And please read more emails. Dear Frank, do you set your email beeper to on or off? Do you hear the beep whenever an email comes your way? Also, we'd appreciate it if, say, the last 15 minutes of Ask Frank Anything segment were devoted to answering emails. Best wishes to you and your loved ones. Well, this is where we answer the emails, Lawrence. I don't know what an email beeper is, but no, the sounds are always off. My phone is always on vibrate, and my computer is almost always on mute, unless I'm previewing some audio. So so there's that. All right. Eric writes, Frank, uh, on the subject of Aaron Rodgers, I call him A-Rod, and quite frankly, I wonder why more people don't. Eric, well, I mean, I think it's because someone else is already known as A-Rod. I think had no one ever called Alex Rodriguez A-Rod, people would call Aaron Rodgers A-Rod. All right, uh, Joseph writes, on the subject of Bruce Willis, you know, this is really interesting because Bruce Willis is obviously having a very difficult time health-wise, but let me read you what he says here. I wish I had a way to send him, meaning Bruce Willis, a Christmas card. I think in your capacity to throw that out on your show so we can all send him best wishes. Bruce has done so much for all of us, and I think a bunch of Christmas cards and well wishes would lift his spirits. Many people ask for famous people to do things, but let's do something for him. I love him as well as Demi, but what a great lift this could be to him and his family as he's suffering through his troubles. I wish him well, and isn't this what Christmas is supposed to be about? You know, I thought about this, and I just, I don't know if this is wise. I mean, on the one hand, I could see it lifting the spirits of the Willis family. On the other hand, I could see this being annoying to the Willis family. So unless they kind of say that they would appreciate any Christmas cards or anything for Bruce Willis. I'm not going to champion it, but I think, you know, I mean, maybe it sounds trite or, um, I don't know, corny, but I think one thing that's nice for Bruce Willis and his family, because they are having a tough time, not just this time of year, but all the time, is remember them in your prayers. I think that's, I think it's a very nice thing. All right, John writes, Hi, Frank, I'm sure you don't remember my email to you many months ago regarding psoriasis, but just wanted to update you. I've been on... He mentions a medication, and I've had no side effects. The first two shots were one per week, which serves as a booster. Then it's one shot every other week. I wouldn't even, con- I would not even consider it a shot since the needle is so very tiny. So I'm glad he's doing well. Um, just wanted to let you, a fellow sufferer, know. Still listen to your show Monday through Friday and love it. You're very talented, and the show is one part Mark Levin, one part Martin Scorsese, one part Art Bell, and one part Frank Morano. Well. I don't know why it's only one part, Frank Morano. I have no comments or recommendations. It's a perfect mix of astronomy, politics, entertainment, mysteries, and even more fascinating topics. Anywho, thank you. Sincerely, John from Connecticut. And then he says, P.S. The pronunciation for the crooked mayor of Bridgeport is is Ganim, as in can I'm. It's not pronounced Ganim. Okay, I usually do say Ganim, so thank you for that. I would hate to mispronounce anything, especially uh, a public official in Connecticut. Um, William writes, after our interview with Ron Albanese on Friday, that was a brilliant observation within a question. This comment was made, uh, this comment by Ron was an astute observation, and what makes you a great, not a good, interviewer. This talent not only displays your skills and preparation, it more importantly sets up the interviewees to give their slant on an issue or fact that allows the listeners to glean something interesting that they wouldn't have ever known. Well, thank you. That's uh, awfully nice. 
Um, Noah writes, unsolicited, potentially annoying email. The heck of a nice guy Rudy is back in the news today just to point out that defamation case has a racial component. I believe in radio there's something called a drop. If you visit the YouTube video connected to the link below, there's some nice audio about Giuliani. If I were doing it, I would make I would take the drop from whatever to wherever. I wouldn't blame you for being wary of this. If you want to search it for the title of the YouTube video is now I pronounce you Chuck and Larry mentions asexual 2000 uh, asexual whatever. That's from Noah. You know, I I know Rudy Giuliani has a lot of critics, but on the one hand, this is a guy who dedicated the better part of his life to public service and I believe helped save New York City. And his leadership um, during in the aftermath of September 11th, I think, is without uh, it's without equal in any disaster. So has the guy made some mistakes? Sure. And I think he's paid for them. But I don't understand, even if you disagree with Rudy, I don't understand the glee that people seem to have about him having a tough time. I just don't get it. Um, This listener writes, on the subject of cursing, conversations peppered with curse words is like reading an article with typos. Very distracting. Cindy writes, hi, Frank. Any updates on the New Year's Eve Eve party for this year? Looks like I will be in AC around those dates. Uh, yeah, you should have gotten an email, Cindy. I sent one out. So if um, you didn't get one, just email me. Frank.Morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. Jeff in North Carolina writes, great interviews last night. Uh, great job with ex-congressman, that's George Santos, and the man who knew Sinatra. Santos was wide open. Did you detect some, did you detect or suspect possibly substance abuse? He was pretty manic. I did not. Uh, notice that at uh, at all, but I really don't know. I don't know his personality necessarily. All right, um, let me sque- let me squeeze in one last one here if we can. Well, we'll try and do two. Hello, Frank. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Neil asked you where the strangest place you did the deed was. Your answer was in a conference room at the place you were working. My question is: Was it with a cleaning woman, perhaps born in Panama, on a desk? And did you try and buy her silence by gifting her with a white cashmere sweater with or without a red spot on it? No, I uh, I did not. It was uh, it was with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, let's see. Hey, uh, this is a good, um, this is a good question. This is from Ellen, who's one of our greatest thinkers in terms of listeners. She, she writes, I was thinking about this all day to piggyback on the discussion about free speech yesterday. Um, I referenced the interview that you cut short with the guest who maintained Sandy Hook was a hoax. Just to be clear, I was disgusted with him and happy when you did so, but I have a question. Since you've always maintained that you allow all kinds of theories on your show, and since you've often defended people like Alex Jones and their right to say most things in the name of free speech, why did you actually cut him off? And I've thought about this a lot since I got this email. It's been about a week. And I'm not sure. Uh, I think, in part, I was so disgusted, honestly, about what he was saying, that Sandy Hook didn't happen and these children that were murdered, buried by their parents at six years old, were, were actors and it didn't happen. I just couldn't control myself, and um, I had to end it because, honestly, I was just totally disgusted, I mean, to the pit of my stomach. Additionally, when he refused to acknowledge the couple of facts that I brought up... Now, I have no problem with conspiracy theories. I know that guy believes in every conspiracy theory there is. And that's right. Look, I had him on to give voice to some of those. But 
um, when he's so untethered to reality that he refuses to acknowledge the basic facts, then there's nowhere the conversation can go. And uh, look, I'm a believer of free speech, but, uh, you know, I think that applies mainly to not having government prohibitions, not having Congress do things like pass resolutions against free speech. And I, I look, I try to cast a pretty wide net in terms of radio and allowing free speech. But um, I think on that one, it was less rational and more emotional. All right. For those of you that didn't get your letter in today, hopefully we will on the next edition of... Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is Billy Idol singing Rebel Yell. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from uh, Jessica Yolango, who's celebrating her birthday today. She's a a singer-songwriter in her own right. Uh, She's also a teacher in uh, New Jersey. Uh, She's got a great band called Jess and the Dropouts, but uh, she was born in the 1980s. And she said, look, because I was born in the 80s, but why not celebrate my birthday with some bumper music? So happy birthday, Jessica Yolango. Hopefully it is a fun one. A lot of you have been writing and asking about the uh, status of the cat that has been living with us for about a week now. The cat formerly known as Ex-Best Friend, who my wife has taken to calling Ed Best Friend. Instead of Ex-Best Friend, E-X, it's Ed Best Friend, E-D. Um... He and Prissy are still not getting along. Well, I should say Prissy's not getting along with him. So uh, we're ordering some of these pheromones, which we hope will calm Prissy down a little bit, but she has not warmed up to him at all. So if she doesn't improve, then uh, I asked my wife, what are we going to do? She says, well, we're going to have to put him somewhere else, meaning in another home, because it's not really fair to either of them. It's not fair to Prissy to have be perpetually uncomfortable in the home that she's lived in for these last few years. And it's not fair to Ed Best Friend to um, kind of be perpetually tormented by this other cat. So uh, I am hoping that things work out between the two of them. We will, we will see. All right. Um, those of you that are holding, I'll get to your calls after the top of the hour. And then uh, we'll do commendations. And then we will do, um, we, we will do, uh, uh, we have George Haas coming up uh, a little bit later as well to talk about some, uh, some structures on, uh, on Mars. So uh, Joe, Rob, True, and Charlie, among others, I will get to you in a bit. Um, until next hour, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.